Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. What is going on, folks? Welcome to the program. Pleasure to have your company today from wherever you are joining us. We're delighted to kick off the Fairways of Life show with Mark Hubbard, he who has three professional wins to his credit as yet. Uh, 33 years old for Mark Hubbard as he makes his way through the world of golf. First on tour from three feet. Get this. He is 460 for 460 attempts, 100%, absolutely automatic. He has five top 25s already this year. He recently finished a tie for 11th at the RBC Heritage, and he's coming off a tie for 18th uh, at Mexico in his last outing. He actually had his second child in December. Another girl, Sadie, his other little girl, Harlow, uh, is it's still in toddler years right now, and it's a pleasure to welcome in. Say congratulations to Mark. Mark, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Good to oh, see you. Oh, it's a ple- pleasure to have you. So how is the family doing? How How is everyone at home? Yeah, they're doing great. I wish they were here this week, um, but they have a rare two weeks at home, and uh, we're actually kind of attempting to potty train our eldest, so that's been quite the adventure. <laughs> I bet. What what was it like for you guys? Because for any like I have two, Dom has two. When when you go from one to two, and it and it goes from zone to man to man, it's a whole new world. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, we look back now on the stuff we thought was hard when we just had one, and we're like, God, what were we thinking? It was so easy. Is it when when you for you anyway for both of you guys? When you became parents for the first time and now parents for the second time, did you understand a whole new level of tiredness? Absolutely. But it's also amazing how your body adjusts because both of us are big sleepers. um, And my wife, especially, you know, you just learned to nap. Uh, I've never been a good napper, but I can now. Um, And yeah, your body just like starts to learn how to work on less sleep. And it's amazing how, you know, I thought, you know, there were times I literally thought I was going to die and, and you just kind of power through it and and you learn, learn the new normal. (laughs) Uh, Mark, I got to ask you about sleep just, just because I, I, I'm an awful sleeper. And I think the people who can sleep like sound and like, just like the dead, I I wonder, is that just a natural gift? Do you think for you, do you realize how special that is? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Actually, yesterday, um, I slept in until 10 a.m., and that was only because my alarm went off. Uh, meantime, uh, Joel Damon's caddy, Gino, was outside our house. I had forgotten to give him the uh, entry code, so he was sleeping in his driveway. Uh, and I'm like, I'm glad I set that 10 o'clock alarm, or you would have been out there till noon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dare I ask why Gino was, was trying to get into your house at, at very early morning hours? Uh, yeah, he missed his flight and uh, had to take a red eye instead. So he got, he landed at like six thirty, and uh, he's staying in one of our rooms this week. So I figured there was a good story behind that one. So how is the yeah. competitive life for Mark Hubbard going? What what's uh, good about twenty twenty three? Yeah, it's been getting there. I started working with a new coach, um, and basically at Palm Springs. So it's been a couple months, um, and it's been you know new and, and hard, um, you know, any transition 
is, but uh, it's starting to click. Uh, I'm hitting it a little further. It's mostly the driver is, is what I needed to figure out a little bit because you can't be short and crooked. Um, but it's starting to click, and I think that showed, especially last week. Last week's a pretty big golf course, uh, and I felt like I hung in there pretty well. So um, it's getting there. I think, you know, anytime you work hard on your swing, uh, your short game can kind of suffer a little bit just because really short game, you just need a lot of reps more than anything. Um, but I'm starting to get those reps back and, and really focus on my putting. And yeah, I'm feeling good. And who, who did you say you're working with? Uh, Corey Lundberg. He's out at uh, Trinity Forest in Dallas. And when you're working with Corey and, and you're trying to, as you said, short and crooked doesn't work on tour, but that was two things then. You're trying to straighten out your driver more hit more fairways, and you're trying to gain distance. Uh, may I ask, when, when you're working on those two, what is he doing in terms of face awareness, in terms of width, in terms of speed? Yeah, I mean, more than anything, I just kind of had to relearn how to load and unload with my hips. Um, I just, over the years, kind of shut down my lower body more than I knew, uh, which is why I hit it so straight, because I'm all arms. Um but yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm really learning how to, you know, release my hips maybe for the first time in my life. Um, and with that comes, comes some speed and some control because I'm, you know, using the bigger muscles in my body to, to control where the ball's going. So there's, you know, less face rotation and stuff like that. How much are you loading on the way back? In other words, how much are you rotating with your hips on the way back and opening space there too, to come down as fast as you want? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a I'm not a big numbers guy. I'm a feel guy, but uh, I don't know three times as much as I was, you Whoa, know, two two cow. three months ago. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at my if you look at my swing from from you know last December or even last year when I was playing well, um, I mean, I was hitting you know twenty yard thirty yard slice uh, during those events when I finished you know third fourth and sixteenth in a row. Um, which was great. I knew it wasn't going left, but yeah, it was, it was all arms. It was all swipey across the body. And, you know, I really wasn't loading at all into that right hip. Wow. That's amazing stuff. And so you said you're, you're again, it's feel you're not, a, not necessarily a stats or data guy, but you're already feeling the effects. I think that for you guys, one of the, one of the things that's always fun is when you play a hole you've played before, or, you know, say it's a 490 yard par four, and you know that you're normally coming in on that with an eight iron and maybe you're coming in with a nine iron because of what you're doing. Are you noticing those kind of effects? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is I, I hit it um, lower than most guys. Um, and so, you know, when I hit the fairway, our fairways are pretty firm and fast. I'm not, you know, that far behind most guys. But when I miss the fairway and I'm in the rough, um, since I haven't carried it as far, I have a lot more club in than most guys and, and our rough is typically pretty thick. So, you know, coming out of there with a five or six iron, um, is not awesome. Uh, so that's where I've noticed the biggest difference. You know, I've, I've gained a little height off my driver and, and definitely some carry. So it's not as much when I hit the fairway, it's when I miss the fairway. Now I have more like an eight or a nine iron out of the rough instead of a, you know, six or seven iron. It's, it's awesome, Mark. And it's fascinating because it makes it fun for, everybody that's watching you and listening to you right now to kind of follow along as you continue to make this progression a rest of the game I take it is hanging in there the short game stuff you talked about about the reps and the talent and the, and the patience and, and the perspective that you have there yeah I mean it's been you know it's always a challenge when you're working on on driver um, I think my putting took a little bit of a hit 
Um, but it's starting to come back. And, and honestly, I've just been hitting my irons so good. I think I finished third last week in approach, uh, only behind John Rahm and Tony Finau. So, um, I you know, you a stat best guy. way to, uh, my brother is, and he texts me a lot. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, the best way to putt better is to hit it closer, right? Awesome stuff. Uh, Mark, I wanted to play for you. I wanted to get your perspective on something here because there's this constant discussion now about events that are designated, events that are not designated, uh, players that have the ability to play in one and not necessarily to play in another other than the the means of ascension to get in there. Uh, This was Xander Shoffley from yesterday when he was asked the question about these designated events and the impact that it's having on the tour. I want to get your reaction after this. Everyone's been pretty aware that, you know, this would be the, the year to um, to fight through, I guess, scheduling. We're no strangers to, to sort of, you know, traveling around a lot and uh, doing things of that nature. So I think it's, it's, it's going uh, as, well as, it, as well as it can. Um, I feel like the membership's probably, I don't know if, if I should say split's the right word. You know, no one likes change. Um, it's just human nature. Um, there was a big change that, that happened with these elevated events and non-elevated events and things of that nature. So um, the comforting thing is probably, you know, that the tour has been a lot more transparent. And they've also shown that they can make adjustments. So come 2024, we're going we're to rip through that schedule as well. And if it's fluid, it's fluid. If it's not, it's not. And the tour will just will change again, if need be, to, to better, you know, to make a better product for the membership. All right, so Mark, what's your reaction to, uh, if, if you please, uh, Xander's comments, but but at large, the designated event, non-designated events, it changes on the PGA Tour and how it impacts you? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think he's right. You know, I think it's it's easy in our day and age to just, you know, see stuff and immediately react and, and you know, get upset or love it. But, I mean, I think we do just kind of need to see how it plays out. Um, initially, my reaction is, you know, I, I knew we needed to do some things to change and, and to make the big guys happy and uh, and make our sponsors happy. I, I've never been a huge fan of the no-cut stuff. Um, and I think if you look at, you know, the way our elevated events and, and invitationals have gone this year um, with still having, you know, 120 guys in a cut, uh, I don't really know how much more compelling uh, and good of a product you could have than than the way those have played out this year um and and i don't see them being any any better uh next year um you know like kurt winning in bay hill you know obviously he's going to be in those next year but um i don't know i just i don't see how less less people competing uh makes for a better product but Obviously, we needed to keep the big guys happy, and and there's still ways to play your play yourself into those. So, um, it is always the cliche, but you know, if you don't like it, play better. And I think there are ample amounts of of opportunities to to play your way into you know the new PGA Tour A. <laughs> um, so we'll see. I think it's I think it's just too early to tell in a lot of ways. Now that you've been out there for a while, uh, a veteran on the PGA Tour and as a tour player at large. Do you feel like there's ways that you can express your opinion that, that they can actually get to people that will make a difference? Uh, no, super no. Uh, I wish I had a better answer for you, but no, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I don't, 
move the needle for the PGA tour. And, and, you know, there's going to, there's, there's really cool, good people out there who are going to listen to me, but at the end of the day, it's, it's going to fall on deaf ears. Um, and that's, you know, I'm not upset about it. Like I, I know I don't, you know, bring the same amount of value to the tour as a John Rahm or, or whatever. And, and that's on me. I got to play better and I got to start winning out here if I want my voice heard. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't feel slighted, uh, but I also know that, you know, my opinion doesn't really matter that much. <laughs> At the start of things, Mark, it almost seemed like it was a battle amongst the gods throwing lightning bolts at each other's, but then it got very real when players started to leave the PGA Tour to go to live, and then there was lawsuits tossed around, et cetera. But live seems to be settling into its own. The PGA Tour is certainly doing fine. I guess the, the question I would ask at large, at this point and what it looks like moving forward in the future, is golf actually in a better place now than it was, say, a year, year and a half ago? Yeah, I mean, you could definitely make that argument. Um, I think the competition level, uh, certainly on our tour, uh, seems to be at, at its height. Um, and for me, that's all that really matters, you know the money is, is one thing. And, you know, the two tours competing, it's all, you know, great drama for, you know, TV and social media and all that. But at the end of the day, I mean, people want to see good golf and birdies. That's the most important thing. And, and, um, you know, I haven't really watched a lot of the live product, but, you know, I know some of those guys are still playing pretty high levels. I think some of them have probably dropped off without the consistent competition that you see on the PGA tour. Um, so that's unfortunate. But, you know, then you saw how Brooks played at, at Augusta. So, you know, yeah, I think you could definitely make a case that, um, you know, golf's never been in a better place. From that standpoint, with the, you mentioned how Brooks was playing and, and Phil Mickelson finishing second, Patrick Reed finishing high. Uh, those guys all got Ryder Cup points uh, because of that major championship, and they will continue as, as they unfold. You obviously are getting Ryder Cup points for your performance as well. Is there any part of you that would have an issue with with uh, if Brooks just flat out qualified or, or Phil or anybody else uh, and made the U.S. Ryder Cup team? No, I mean, if, if he qualifies, uh, you know, my biggest issue, I think, is, you know, we started off with this really firm stance um, that if you left, uh, you know, you were done and you had to make a decision. And it seemed like a really tough decision for a lot of people. And you know, the way things are going now, um, I just, it's hard for me to imagine that, you know, at some point those guys aren't going to be let back in. Uh, and that's a little frustrating because I feel like we've been forced to make all these changes on the PGA tour that, you know, may or may not negatively affect, uh, you know, guys of my status. Um, and, you know, to then make all these changes and, and try and, please all these people and then to kind of go back on your word, that would be a little frustrating, but you know, the big events like that, that, you know, aren't necessarily just part of the PGA tour. Uh, they're part of, you know, the world of golf. Um, I don't have a super big problem with them, them qualifying. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you want the best product and, and, uh, you know, if those guys earn it, um, then, then yeah, that's fine. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting because, if, if I ask you the question of what if you were in the position or, or had you considered going to live, et cetera, the usual answer you get is, well, I was never asked. I, and I get that. But more philosophically, 
as a professional that gets paid to play golf, do you have any issue with, with guys leaving to get paid to play golf at another tour? No, no. Um, and I, yeah, I, I didn't get asked. Um, and I, you know, I think my opinions changed a little bit as I've seen their product unfold. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, we get paid to play a game and, and at the end of the day, that's, you know, we're playing for the love of the game, but we're also playing to make as much money as we can and support our families and, and make it so our kids have great lives. And, you know, if that's a way to do it, then yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting with you, Mark, is that we've now known you long enough that we've seen you evolve through different stages. We've, we've seen you go from reaching the PGA tour back down to the corn Ferry tour. You telling me that that was the best experience you could have because it prepared you uh, to give it back on the PGA tour again. And then you're starting to get notoriety and you're starting to pop up and people are starting to know your personality and, and connect with you. Do you feel yourself the way that you're you're so called you're so humble about it you're like well I'm not one of the big stars and I don't connect but you do you still are on that stage there still is a spotlight on you maybe it's not center stage yet but do you feel the evolution of you your personality and your game because of the status that you're emerging on um I would say more my game than my personality um I think you know I think some people really do you know, want to be performers and, uh, you know, part of the reason they love playing so much, uh, you know, is to interact with the fans and, you know, make the putt on 18 just so that they can, you know, rile up the fans and stuff. And, you know, you see like a guy like JT, you know, in the Ryder Cup setting and, and stuff, you know, he wants that moment uh, for him, but also for the entertainment value. And for me, I, you know, that's never really done much for me. You know, I, I play for myself and for my family. Uh, and if, you know, people happen to like me or want to cheer for me, that's great, but it doesn't really matter to me. Um, so, I mean, from that standpoint, it hasn't, my personality, I don't feel like has evolved much, um, but definitely, you know, staying, playing on bigger stages and bigger golf courses. And, you know, this is a week at Wells Fargo. It, you know, it feels like a big time event. Um, and so I think my, my game has definitely evolved to kind of match those settings for sure. Yeah. And, and as you're saying all that, my friend, I'm thinking about you making the putt with your pinky finger wrapped around the bottom of the, of the shaft. Yeah. I mean, believe it or not, my, uh, I had no intention of doing that, uh, at waste management. And, uh, that was actually for my wife and brother who were egging me on from the, uh, family viewing area. Um, so that was, again, that was for them. That was awesome, dude, and and we're happy to see it. We're happy to see how well everything goes for you. Uh, you have your MGM hat on this morning. Do you want to talk to us about your relationships and your sponsors so we can spread some love to them too? Yeah, yeah, MGM's been awesome. Uh, they moved from my shirt to my hat front and center. Uh, they've treated me great, and I love love being a part of their organization. Um, I think uh, we might end up going to that F1 race in, in the fall uh, and hanging out with them, so that would be amazing. Uh, local IQ uh, right here. Uh, it's uh, on my bag as well. Um, Mike Flanagan there, he does all their, their sports stuff and he's a Colorado guy too. So I love working with them. Um, I got hubs, hubs nuts on my uh, yeah. sleeve over here. The peanut company. We just happen to have the same last name, but Marshall's an amazing guy and 
Uh, they actually have a big presence out at Wells Fargo, a lot of the, you know, kind of Carolina events and, and stuff in the Southeast. So they are delicious. Please go check them out. Um, you will not regret it. Uh, the peanut brittle, amazing. Uh, and then I just, uh, got a new one, uh, Scott over at Incent and Vice. Uh, we met uh, for the first time in, in Hilton Head a couple weeks ago, and, and he's an awesome, awesome dude. So uh, super lucky to have all my sponsors, man. Dude, we love seeing who you are, what you are, the way that you're comfortable with every element of your life right now, notwithstanding maybe a little tiredness and need to get some naps here and there. Uh, I'm super excited about what you're working on with the golf swing with Corey uh, and seeing how that manifests itself too. Cause it doesn't sound like it's one of those situations where you're at risk of losing accuracy or anything else, just because you're engaging your lower body. My guess is it kind of takes you back to a point in time of where you were previously in your golf swing. So uh, it's a very, very, very exciting. We're, we're super pumped up for everything that lies in store for you. Thanks, man. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, always working on new stuff is, is tough, but uh, I'm very confident I'm going in the right direction and, and, yeah, excited for a good golf ahead. Awesome, brother. Good luck with everything, and we look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks, man. It's great to see you. Thanks for having me. Good to see you, too. All right, the Fairways of Life show is presented by the PGA Tour Superstore, the number one golf retailer in all of America with 60 big, beautiful stores spread out from coast to coast. We're in because they are so massive. Whatever you're looking for for your game, surely you can find it within these walls, whether you swing it, whether you wear it, whether you need to learn from it, whether you want to test it and more. It can be done right here at the PGA Tour Superstore. And you're shopping with pros they are not people that are trying to sell you fishing gear over here or maybe weight equipment over there they are dedicated to your game and ensuring that what you get is what is best for you i think that's the secret to their success find your happy place at the pga tour superstore and shop with the pros relax easy now find your happy place PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! (laughs) Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery. And visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Fill your heart with Ireland at ireland.com forward slash golf. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the Bridgestone Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try Bridgestone's Tour Bs. The Tour Ball Reinvented. Nothing feels quite like hitting a PXG iron. That's because we use hollow body construction coupled with the thinnest club face in golf and a vibration-absorbing polymer. These technologies make hitting our irons feel soft as warm butter on a hot biscuit 
and create a bigger sweet spot, which means more forgiveness, better distance, and lower scores. Play PXG and see how sweet, real power, and incredible forgiveness can be. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Baseball? Nah. Football? Done it. I think I'm going to go after the PGA Tour. Bo, you're going to need the right equipment company. I think I got that. You know Tour Edge backs all their clubs with a lifetime warranty. I know. They ship all their premium custom clubs in 48 hours. I know. All their premium clubs are hand-built in the USA. I know. You know Tour Edge has won 35 times out here. Guys, I know. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One zero one Gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The Wiz have really helped me to keep that consistent swing. You can go out there on your own and just hit balls and it'll fix your golf game. Transition on plane. The Wiz, sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show, and thank you to DeWiz. You just saw their spot running there. Uh, we did our shoot yesterday, and it, everything went really well. It was, it was fun to, to have this device. You can see it at the end of the, the desk here on set. And to have that advice on and, and device on and be getting back all that data. So we did something fun. I, w- I was working with an LPGA professional. Her name is uh, Stephanie Del Greco. And yes, of the of the football lineage, that's her father-in-law. And f- first thing she wanted me to do was hit some shots. And I was telling her, for me, the, the issue I have with my game is that I don't fully rotate my shoulder. They stop. And so my arms try to make up for it, and, and you, get, you get short and across the line. And so she said, well, you know, we, we had, they had had me warm up first, but once the cameras were rolling – and, and ch- things change when cameras roll. I mean, you get you get nervous and the adrenaline's running and all the rest. And so I hit my first shot, and then and there was another guy there named uh, Matt Lawrence, and Matt works for DeWiz. He's the, the head of customer success, which I think is one of the great titles I've ever heard. And so he had the data coming in. And so she was saying, okay, Matt, you, your first swing – you know, it was tight. You, your shoulders didn't rotate. You did all the things that I know that I'm are my nemesis, right? So she said, "Do this, try this." Ba ba ba. Hit the second one it was really good. So we get done with the piece, and she goes, "Did you meet? Did you do that on purpose?" She goes, "Did you hit that first one as bad as you did, just so that the second one would look so much better?" And I was like, "No, I just hit the first one horribly. That was just that was that was the real deal." So DeWizGolf.com, you can get more information on everything that they are doing. All right, so this was a moving interview Rory McIlroy did yesterday with Todd Lewis from Golf Channel in that we hadn't seen Rory. We didn't know why he missed the designated event at the RBC Heritage. The suspicion was it was maybe disappointment, frustration from the Masters. All we knew is, is that he wasn't around and hadn't been around and it had fallen for a guy that was become somewhat of a spokesman, if you will, for the tour, some say, if not himself, otherwise, uh, we hadn't heard anything. So this interview f- with with Todd Lewis, courtesy of Golf Channel, I thought was pretty revealing. A needed break for me, just I think, obviously after the disappointment of uh, of Augusta, and then it's been a pretty taxing twelve months mentally. Um, so it was nice to just try to 
disconnect a little bit and um, get away from it. But you know, it's nice to come back and feel refreshed. And you know, I think we're on a pretty you know pretty busy run here from from now until after the playoffs. So um, you know, I'm ex excited to get going. Mentally and emotionally, was it taxing on you that warranted the break? Yeah, um, yeah. I think just um, you know a combination of a few things, and I think just after you know the disappointment of, of Augusta and, and how I played there, it was just I just I think just yeah more for my you know mental and emotional well-being. I just needed to be at home for those for those few weeks, and um, you know. But as I said, looking forward to, to getting back at it this week. What did that break do for you? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I think I think I'm in a bit of a better headspace than I was. Uh, yeah, you know, I, it's a you know that run up to Augusta is always um, you know it's always a stressful enough couple of weeks just trying to make sure everything's in the right in the right order and, and making sure your game's in good shape and. Um, you know, I think it was, I think for me it was a nice reset because, I, you know, I still had to realize that there's three more majors this year. There's a ton left to play for, um, you know, so I guess it was a little bit like, a, like not a new beginning in a way, but it was like, okay, you know, the, you know, I've played great golf up until then, you know, but sort of need to leave the last 12 months in the rearview mirror and, and, you know, and focus on, on what's ahead of me and um, you know I think the last three weeks has helped me sort of gain that perspective and put me back on the right track. So I'll be interesting as Rory just described that last piece as he put it being put back on the on the right track does that mean he's going to step back from his leadership role uh, either from a public standpoint or from a private standpoint meaning not as as involved with committees and meeting with boards and things of that nature uh if it's having an adverse impact on his game uh but just it'll be interesting to see how that plays itself out it does seem like i'm assuming that he did the interview with todd lewis because he knows todd and it's a courtesy and they're out there together but i haven't seen rory's name on the press conference list which for Rory McIlroy would be a change. Is that part of, as I'm asking, this new path, or as he put it, as I mentioned, the right path, which is interesting. Uh, Justin Thomas is on some new paths. He was talking about a new diet that he's on and, and why he is on that. He was also talking about the state of his game, why he's trying to be patient, and how this course this week for him holds some pretty good memories. Yeah, I... I just feel like for for the majority of the months this year, it just seems like basically every round I'm playing, I shoot the highest score that I possibly can. And that's not um, – it's just – I mean, you just go on those, those sprees sometimes in golf. I mean, over a long career, you're going to have, if you want to call them slumps, you want to call them cold streaks or whatever, and you're also going to have your hot streaks. And, and, yeah, I mean, I would – I definitely wouldn't say John had a bad year last year, but – knowing John and how competitive he is and knowing the caliber game he has and what he believes in himself, I'm sure he's like, no, I wanted to win more. But playing with him during that, he was not very far off. You know, it's like so many good putts that were burning edges and lipping out. And that's kind of how I felt this year. You know, I, I statistically, maybe my putting isn't very good, but I know I'm very close. I know it's just, it, sometimes you just need a little momentum. You know, sometimes it takes one round or one week 
to just see some things go your way or see some things go in versus bouncing in a bunker or staying in a fairway or, or lipping in instead of lipping out. And then all of a sudden you get some momentum, have a good week, have another good week, and bam, you win just like that. When three or four tournaments ago, you know, everyone's talking about what's wrong, what are you going to change, or what are you going to do? And I'm just trying to stay the course and stay patient and understand that it's a lot closer than it is further and, um, and just need to be in the right frame of mind for good things to happen. I just, last year, knock on wood, I've always been a very, uh, I've, I've never really had any health issues or, or haven't gotten sick at all. And last year I felt like I had a very odd year. Um, the heat really got to me. I, I mean, the, the beginning of the week in, in Tulsa, I was so sick. I mean, I had some kind of just atrocious, like, sinus infection. Like, I had no energy. It was terrible. I, I have no idea how I ended up playing well that week. But uh, it was right after Byron Nelson, which was incredibly hot. Um, had another couple events early in the year, like Mexico was really hot. And, I mean, I'm sure I had something there that messed with my stomach anyway, but just super dehydrated and just felt off. And then again in Atlanta, kind of the end of the year, um, that Sunday when I got done, I got in the locker room and I just threw up everything that I'd eaten the entire day. And it just was like, man, it seems like every time it gets hot, like I'm so tired at the end of the day. I'm tired when I wake up in the morning. Um, so I just wanted to get it looked at and I had blood work and food sensitivity and stuff, test done and passed, but never really had a plan it's usually just done with someone and here's your work here's the paperwork of it and have at it and uh yeah I got with Dr. Ara and he's just given me a plan of what to do and yeah I unfortunately a a year of of gluten-free and six months of dairy-free just to and then do some retesting and see how it is and I'm three months in and I definitely feel better and I feel like I have more energy when I wake up and um my body's been feeling great I've been moving really well so I'm just one of those guys that's like, if I don't at least try it, I mean, obviously I'm hoping it works because it sucks not being able to eat anything good, but I, if I don't try it, I won't know if it works, you know what I'm saying? So I'm hoping that it's something that's going to help me a lot and um, just a little trial and error kind of thing. What, what do you miss and what, what are you I want? A, I want a pizza like you cannot imagine. Like I would do some really messed up things for a pizza just <laughs> doused in ranch. Int- Dowston Ranch. That that was an interesting last couple of words to throw in on top of that. But I hope that whatever JT's working on with his health, I hope that he finds. Uh, it is interesting. I remember Mark Carnevale telling me one time, speaking about heat. I guess he had heat stroke. And one of you guys could, will have to write in and tell us exactly what heat stroke is. But Carney told me f- since that time he has to be careful about being out in heat. I'm assuming, again, that Carney was talking about hydration and, and making sure that he's properly covered up, et cetera. Uh, but it is interesting to speak to an athlete. And, and with Justin Thomas, you talk about sensitivity to uh, – he's, he's talking about heat, but even sun. Remember, he had a big skin cancer scare on his leg, and it left a considerable scar after – after the medical procedure that they had to go through to get rid of that. And, and that's just another subject for another. I went to my dermatologist yesterday, just as an aside yesterday afternoon, and they found another spot that uh, my dermatologist is so good before we do a biopsy, which is scheduled for the 16th. They pretty much know. And he pretty much told me, yeah, it looks like cancer. 
uh, depending on how big it is. If it's superficial, they think they're going to get it when they do the biopsy. If not, then they've got to go do more surgery. It's called Mohs surgery, which those you've been down the road are familiar with. But it's, I mean, it's on the side of your temple. Who cares? It doesn't really matter uh, from the standpoint of, of what it leaves your face looking like cosmetically. If there's a scar or whatever, it'll be fine. Uh, the only reason I'm bringing it up to you guys is because it is so easy to go to a dermatologist and get checked and get these things early so that it doesn't become a bigger issue. A uh, worst case is a melanoma, which if you don't treat it, it can be fatal. Uh, even equally as, as concerning is that if it's uh, a basal cell carcinoma, which this one is probably, uh, then and that's not the only kind. And then I've had them all, believe me. It can get down into your lymph nodes, and when that happens, you've got serious issues, not to mention the fact that when it moves that far to correct it, to remove it, uh, it's, it's, you, you run the risk of, of deformities, et cetera, because of the pieces of you that they have to cut out along the way. So please, 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 for you, for your family, go see a dermatologist. It is easy to do and make sure that you're on the right path. With all of that. Now, talking about pathways, we, when we had Mark Hubbard on earlier in the show, we were discussing with him designated events, non designated events, uh, and he was expressing his opinion on the same. Well, a very recent winner, Tony Finau, was asked about the designated events so far. Here is how he responded I think the elevated events have been great. Um, I think if you look at the leaderboards, you look at the robberies that's, that it's already created, and the uh, the pressure-packed moments, I think it's been pretty dang cool for our game. Um, I think our last one, we had Spieth and Fitzpatrick in the playoff. Uh, we've had Rombo and Homa. We've had Rombo and Scheffler. Uh, you know, so I think it's been quite something like Rombo and Morikawa, right? So you've had these heavyweights go at it in our game more often, which, which I think is good for our game. I think uh, we have to move move toward how the game is going to be more presentable on TV, how it's going to be more accessible, more watchable. And I believe that that's the best way to do it, is have the best players play against each other more often. And that's what we're seeing. Next year, we're going to see more of that. And uh, it's just uh, cool to be a part of it, I think. All right, Tony Finau talking about those designated events. And, I mean, to no great surprise, he is one of the players that are going to be prominent in those events, he's happy with the way that it's going and it's working. We know what their agenda was. We know that their agenda was have the stars, have the people that you most want to see play there. And starting next year, it's having them there for all four rounds. It's important for the networks. That's where their primary revenue is going to come in. It's important for the sponsors without whom they cannot survive. uh, And obviously for the host sites as well. Hey, the all-new PXG Gen 6 golf clubs are now available, built to deliver blazing fast ball speeds, outstanding distance and breathtaking forgiveness, and more fun. Easy to hit, fast, and beyond forgiving. They'll help you hit it long and right down the middle. Schedule your Gen 6 fitting today to experience PXG's game-changing quality and performance. Visit pxg.com or call 844-PLAY-PXG. PXG, nobody builds golf clubs the way we do. Period. When we come back, we're going to talk about sport and how you measure success and failure. Is it cut and dry? Is it wins and losses? Is it championships? That and more when we come back. I guess, hello world, huh? Hello world. 
<laughs> and with one subtle hello, Tiger began an amazing and unthinkable career. I've done it for 20 years now with, with Bridgestone. It allows me to play an aggressive style around the greens, and it's allowed me to win a lot of tournaments. Bridgestone Golf, proud to be part of your journey. Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boynegolf.com. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One zero one gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The Wiz have really helped me to keep that consistent swing. You can go out there on your own and just hit balls, and it'll fix your golf game. Transition on plane. The Wiz sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com. <laughs> Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! <laughs> Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. Nothing feels quite like hitting a PXG iron. That's because we use hollow body construction coupled with the thinnest club face in golf and a vibration-absorbing polymer. These technologies make hitting our irons feel soft as warm butter on a hot biscuit and create a bigger sweet spot, which means more forgiveness, better distance, and lower scores. Play PXG and see how sweet, real power, and incredible forgiveness can be. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Zero Friction introduces the Wheel Pro Push Cart Golf Bag with its revolutionary 3-in-1 design, supportive legs that spring into action, a comfort grip handle with three locking positions, accessories for the modern golfer enhanced by seven pockets for more storage, and removable all-terrain wheels which slide right into place. The new Zero Friction Wheel Pro Golf Bag checks every box for every golfer. Push, carry, or cart, the decision is yours. Thanks to Zero Friction. Head to ZeroFriction.com today. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show. As the name would imply, oftentimes we're talking about the game of golf and the game of life and and where these two intersect. You guys know Giannis, the star of the Bucs. The Bucs were expected to do much in the NBA playoffs, and they got bounced by the Miami Heat. So there's two pieces to what I'm about to show you. A journalist asked... If because of the results of the playoffs, the season was a failure. He responded to that, and then we're going to jump cut directly to Max Homa, who responded to what he had just heard. And then Max Homa also asked about why he loves the game of golf, roads intersecting. Oh, my God. Uh 
Okay, because I'm not at up. You asked me the same question last year, Eric. Okay, uh, do you get do you get a promotion every year on your job? No, right? So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. Every every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, right? Which is to get a promotion, to be able to uh, take care of your family, to be able I don't know. Um, provide the house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. You know, and if you've never, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to make it personal. So, there's always steps to it. You know, um, Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championship. The other nine years was a failure? That's what you're telling me. No, I'm asking you a question. Yes or no? Okay, exactly. So why are you asking me that question? It's a wrong question. There's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days, some days you are able to uh, be successful, some days you're not. Some days it's your turn, some days it's not your turn. And that's what sports is about. You don't always win. Some other, other people are going to win. And this year, somebody else is going to win. Similar as that. We're going to come back next year, try to be better, try to build good habits, try to um, play better, not have a 10-day stretch with uh, playing bad basketball. You know, and hopefully we can win a championship. So 50 years from 1971 to 2021 that we didn't win a championship, it was 50 years of failures. No, it was not. It was steps to it, you know, and we were able to win one. Hopefully we can win another one. You know, I, sorry that I didn't want to make it personal because you asked me the same question last year, and I, last year I wasn't in the, in the uh, right um, mind space to answer the question back, but I remember it. It was awesome soundbite. I think the interesting part to that is um, I, I thought about it a lot. Y you can easily say that they fail because they did not win the championship. Everyone goes to win a championship. Everyone comes here to win a golf tournament. But I think the point is, is that no one but yourself decides if you failed. Like I could there's a potential that I could win a golf tournament and feel like I failed if I didn't meet a goal I was looking for mentally or something. So I just think the point is in sports is it's not up to the fans, it's not up to the media, it's not up to anybody other than myself if I, if I fail. Um, there's days I've had good days and felt like I failed because my goal was to go out there and be super positive and maybe I wandered off of that. Um, but, you know, Kobe Bryant said a very similar thing that Giannis said, that there's no failing in sports as long as you kind of keep pushing and getting better, if that is your goal. So I found it quite interesting uh, that someone as great as Giannis said that because it puts things in, into perspective. It's very difficult to win a championship in anything. Uh, he's a tremendous basketball player, and to hear him feel kind of similarly looking at it at the mac in the macro – he didn't fail to him, I would assume, because he felt like they put in a lot of work that will help them the next year and him personally. But if he doesn't feel like he failed, then he didn't fail, and I think that's the, that's the important part for everybody, whatever you're trying to do. So I thought it was great that he, that he said that. What's funny is I think when I was a kid, I truly loved golf. I'm not so sure I love golf anymore, but I love competing and getting better so much. So golf provides a platform for that. It had... It, people ask that in a different way a lot, but like golf is a job now. So, but when I'm home and I think about like last week, like I practiced so much, and one of the members at Whisperock asked me like on Sunday, he said, You need to take a day off. 
but I was, I told him, I was like, well, it's not the golf that I miss, but I, I want to keep getting better at something. And this is the thing I'm the best at. So this is what I'm going to work at. So I, I love that golf gives me an avenue to be obsessive over something, uh, and, and dedicate myself towards something. So I, I would say now that back when I was a kid, I loved golf because it was a way to hang out with my friends and try to make an eagle or a birdie and then wig out for a few weeks. Now, you know, we've done so much uh, in the game that sadly uh, an amazing seven iron doesn't make me as happy as it used to, which is sad. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I would be obsessed with something else if I didn't have this, and I'm thankful I have this because, uh, you know, I have direction. So I, I do love that about what's, what, what golf is giving me at the moment. Fascinating, isn't it, when you get to hear from truly greats? And to me, I mean, first of all, I think you're truly great in a golf context if you make it to the highest tier. There are many levels of greatness, but if you are a player on the PGA Tour, you have achieved greatness. And then it goes to different degrees, contending, winning, winning important tournaments, winning major championships, building legacy, etc., but when it comes to what you do as a vocation, in terms of the mark that you leave as a professional in whatever field of endeavor that you have, whether it's sports or what, what have you, it's, there's always a few thoughts that, that run through my mind. It, and the first one is a basic one. I, I, and I mention this to young people a lot where they're interested in, in one field or another. And you don't always have to achieve this. But it's a good way of, of really trying to define if this is something that truly feeds your soul. And that is, would you do the job, whatever it is, for free? Would you do it if you weren't paid for it? In other words, do you love what you do so much that it's a part of who you are and you're going to do it whether there's a paycheck at the end of the day or not? Again, that's, that's a really extreme judgment of of what you do but more often than not as as we all know that when you find someone that loves what they do with that degree of passion they're probably pretty good at it probably one of the best and probably thus also getting paid and probably getting paid pretty decently over some period of time working away at the task so that's the first one and then the second one again when you look at it in the context of great champions team or individual at the end of those careers if they are truly exceptional if they truly stand out there's a hall of fame that awaits them to be eternally enshrined within and that's the second question that i that i often ask is is to say to people do you feel that in whatever field of endeavor do you feel that you are crafting a Hall of Fame career? Do you feel that you're doing something that is so distinctive that relatively few who have come before you, or even after you for that matter, will be enshrined alongside of you? Do, do you feel that you've achieved that? I mean, and, and obviously both of those are objectives that in many parts of the real world uh, are unattainable, but I think it's, it's the pursuit of, of such concepts, emotions, philosophies, if you please, uh, that can carry one to, to great performance. 
So speaking about philosophies and speaking about performance, and in this case, speaking about loyalty and even communication, at the International Crown, Team England was pretty fired up and in rare moments of honesty on a public forum, Bronte Law probably spoke the loudest, although you're going to hear from all members of the team, about the prospect that Georgia Hall and Charlie Hull were not playing, were not recommending, uh, standing up for uh, representing England. And as a result, the women on the team are pretty pissed. Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. So quite late. Um, but yeah, you know, very happy to have um, both Alice and Liz here. Um, they're both, you know, very patriotic, very um, team-oriented. Um, and I think that that's a testament to kind of what this this tournament's about and is more important than, you know, the individuals in the team. Um so, yeah, just, uh, you know, really happy to have them both here. And I know that they'll fight with everything that they've got. How did you find out? Um, through Chinese whispers, if you like to call it that. Um, didn't get any sort of message from the two that decided to not play. Um, was disappointed about that. Um, but... You know, it's besides the point now. Um, you know, we're here and this is our team and this is Team England. Have you heard from them since? I've had a message from Charlie um, apologizing, you know, saying that she was sorry she couldn't play, um, but that's it. What day was that? Today. Well, I think anyone with, you know, some level of decency would send their teammates a message saying that they weren't coming, not find out through other players on tour who've heard things from them, you know, saying things at the tournament, you know, last week. Um, you know, I don't think that that's a lot to ask for. Uh, for me, I think it's just, it's just great to be here and um, just got to, like, grab the opportunity with both hands. Um, it's really great to have Bronte and Jody here who have been in the situation before and can kind of help guide us through, um, you know, the ins and outs of the tournament and um, just kind of be there, yeah, to, yeah, help us out for the week, which I think is great. Yeah, for me, I'm just excited to be here and I'm just going to make the most of the opportunity um, and and just go for, go for it. And the opportunity, yes, it's it's big and it's obviously on the big stage compared to an LET event, but um, it's just a golf course. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's disappointing, um, especially to come so late. Um, and I'm sure, you know, it's, it's disappointing mainly for Hanwa, um, I think, you know, what they've done for the tournament and to bring it back, um, you know, we're all just really grateful to be here. Um, you know, as I said, I've, I've lived in the U.S. for almost half my life now, and I'm still as proud now to put on the England flag as I was when I was 12 years old putting it on for the first time. And, you know, I, you know, my schedule this year is all based around, especially the first half of this year, all based around being here this week because it means that much to me to play for England. And, you know, it's just a privilege. And I'm very proud to be here and I'm proud to be part of this team with the 
the other three girls on this stage, so. And I think yeah. every single one of us feels that. So, you know, it's more important to have teammates that feel that way and want to be here than anything else. And that's why, you know, having them here is, is going to be the best thing for Team England this week. Wow. And remember, it is also a Solheim Cup year. Keep that in mind. So I, I, I want to play you another soundbite, too, uh, speaking about excitement and speaking about anticipation and speaking about what it all means. But first, uh, our new partner, Zero Friction, who we're delighted to have as a part of the Fairways of Life show, features their Wheel Pro push cart. It's a three-in-one golf cart, stand bag, cart bag, and push cart. The Stride Golf Bag is an automated cart that actually follows you around like R2-D2. Plus, they have an incredible selection of golf gloves, of balls, of tees. Uh, You can head over to Zero Friction. Uh, Look at that thing. Is that amazing or what? I I actually want one of those. I don't even know if I'd put golf clubs in it. I just want it following me around. Head to ZeroFriction.com for more information on everything that we have discussed with you, and you can see their full breadth and width of their incredible product line. So as to the international crown, Minji Lee and Sarah Kemp both spoke about what it means to be representing Australia. Uh, Yeah, I think it's great. Um, We don't really get too many opportunities to play um, in this kind of format. And obviously to represent Australia with these girls is really cool and um, it's a great honour for us. Yeah, this is great. Um, We don't, like we were talking about before, we don't really get too many. Being from Australia, we don't have any Solheims or we don't have a President's Cup. So this is pretty cool for us. Um, yeah, just exciting. I love all the free gear that we got with all the Australian <laughs> flags on it. That's pretty exciting. But um, no, yeah, we're we're having a great time. <laughs> it's fun picking on Steph. <laughs> <laughs> That's not but all we do. <laughs> a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, for Team Australia is ready to go as well. Okay, airtime so that you know when and where you can get your coverage coming up as we sit on the eve of the start of much. PGA Tours Wells Fargo Championship, this designated event, starts Thursday at 2 p.m. on Golf Channel Friday at 2 p.m. All these times are Eastern. Saturday and Sunday, it's split between Golf Channel and CBS at 1 and 3 p.m. respectively. I will be a part of the live coverage coming from PGA Tour Live. My partner this week is Carl Paulson. Cannot wait. Thursday and Friday at 6.45 a.m. is when the four streams start on ESPN+. Plus. Saturday and Sunday, the airtime is 7 a.m each of those two days, respectively. PGA Tour Radio can be heard Thursday and Friday from noon and then Saturday and Sunday from 1 p.m. Eastern Time. That can be heard on the PGA Tour app. It can be heard on PGATour.com or if you subscribe to National Satellite Service Sirius XM. The International Crown starts tomorrow night and runs Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday well into prime time for those of you on the east coast of North America at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Folks, thank you so much for your company. It was, it is, it's always a pleasure. Hope you guys have a great Wednesday. And until we are together again, be well and goodbye for now.